Amen. Thank you, Pastor Wong. Happy Chinese New Year to all who are celebrating. I enjoyed seeing your pictures. You can see though you had a smaller gathering. You are a joyful bunch, uh, grateful for what the Lord has given you. And it was a delight to, to be a small part of your, your family gatherings uh, in your homes. Well, uh, last week we heard from Dr. Leong, uh, health, gospel and health and how we are healed. And uh, it is in the Messiah that we have peace with God through the atonement. Uh, he has paid the debt for our sin. Now we have this restored relationship. How awesome this good news is for us. And then as Pastor Wong mentioned, this includes a, a future redemption of our, of our bodies. One day we'll be totally healed. We really have something to look forward to. I'm still uh, really chewing on uh, Dr. Leong's message last week. Now we come to to part two. The question still remains, what about right now? Can we experience physical bodily healing now? What does it look like uh, for the Christian and the way he thinks about health? What does it look like to be a healthy Christian? So that's what we're going to consider today from 3 John. Uh, let's, let's read it together. Follow along as I read. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these Brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Let's pray. Our Father, we're so thankful for this time to gather as the family of God, to remember your love for us, to remember your precious promises, even as we sang, as Andrew led us in worship. Lord, we, we thank you that all we have is yours. We thank you this morning that you've given us your authoritative word, Lord, to speak 
into our lives, the very ordinary day-to-day lives. Lord, we pray that even this word today would bear fruit, eternal fruit, for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gong si fa cha. Brothers and sisters, what a wonderful greeting. What a wonderful season uh, this is. May the Lord prosper you this year in 2021. Such a, such a good greeting, right? This desire that, that others may thrive. This is a greeting say a lot about a person. They say a lot about a, a culture. I, I also enjoy the, the, the regular use of, of Bahasa with Sudamakan. Uh, often this is said first, right? There's this concern for the body. How, have you eaten? Are you taking care of yourself? Um, it's just sometimes the first thing that will flow out of a Malaysian's mouth. It even comes through in English, right? Have you eaten yet? Uh, sometimes um, it's the first thing people will say to me when I see them. Um, so wonderful. It's, just a, it's a good care for the body. Now, I won't, I won't attempt uh, to say the, the Tamil uh, <laughs> with my poor language abilities. Um, but as Christians, we take these greetings with, with sincerity, right? We, we, our faith, it transforms our common language of culture, right? It, it actually, we, we pack it, right? In my culture, so many people will say, how are you? They're just uh, almost as if they're saying hello. It's just, how are you? Um, they're actually not asking you how are you doing, how you're doing. Um, they're just saying it as a greeting. But as in Christ, when we say, how are you? We, we, we want to mean it, right? So when I write to you, friends, and I ask you, how are you? I'm actually, I actually want to know how, how you are doing. Now we come to the third letter of John and we see John giving this ordinary cultural gre- greeting. I believe it is infused with meaning and sincerity. This is in fact what many of you do during Chinese New Year, right? You turn a wish into a prayer. I, I, I've seen you do it. Even as you raise your chopsticks <laughs> and, uh, and uh, look forward to this next year, you, your heart is prayerful. You know the God who's behind all this goodness that we experience. You want others to know the goodness of the God in which provides for all of our needs. No, our trust is not in superstition or, or blind impersonal faith. But you delight in the God who made you and who is abundantly good. So we wish good for others. We desire good for others. We pray for others. We're concerned about all of their needs, including those material needs, including those health needs. And at times we will see God give prosperity. Yet, of course, we know, Christians know that it is Christ-likeness that we find the supreme blessing to know Christ, just as we talked about last week. This week, we will talk about what it means to become like him. John, this morning, he wants to guide us in thinking through uh, this question, what does it look like to seek for help now? A Christian is to learn the blessing of praying for physical health that matters to God. It should matter to us, but also we learn there is great blessing in walking in spiritual health, in truth, walking in truth and walking in love. So God cares about our physical health. It shouldn't 
really goes without saying, right? But we can be hesitant, in fact, to bring our, our struggles and our desires, our, our needs to our God. We need to understand we have a heavenly father who loves us, who knows our every need, and he loves to hear from us. He loves to hear us bring to, uh, bring to him our struggles. Some of us even this morning are weighed down with troubles, concerned for your own physical well-being. Perhaps you're concerned for the well-being of others and the difficulties faced in this country. Well, John, the apostle here referred to as the elder, shares a similar burden. Verse 1 shows that he's writing to Gaius. We don't know a lot about him. There's a number of other Gaiuses in the Bible, but uh, likely this is, this is a different one. This is an extremely common name at that time. Uh, so we don't know much about their relationship, but we know this, that he is a dear friend. He is beloved, whom John loves in the truth. In this very short uh, verse, he speaks of this deep God-given love. Beloved, I love you. Beloved. <laughs> Just in case John isn't clear, um, he is very, very concerned for this brother. There's this deep affection that he shares for him in Christ. Then we see verse 2. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. Now, some may translate this, I wish... But I believe the proper translation is, I pray in light of the context, he sees our health needs, our material needs as a concern to God. And, and it should be a concern for the church. I believe he's turning this ordinary greeting into a very God-centered greeting. We learn that we must all depend upon God, all of us. So here he is, he's turning even Gaius' attention toward God. He's bringing him to the throne of grace, to our great and awesome creator. God cares about our physical well-being. He created us, right? Psalm 139, 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Will not an inventor, inventor who invents something not take great care to preserve what he has made? So too, our God cares for us. And even as Psalms 139 continues on to say that all our days are under his good plan and under his good watch care. And Jesus himself knows that we struggle to believe that God is paying attention to our our needs goes to great lengths throughout Matthew 6 to convince us that our father cares about basic things like our, our food, provision of food, provision of clothing and shelter. Matthew 6.30, one example. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? The rest of the passage is emphasizing his provision of food. How much more will he not feed you if he feeds the birds of the air? Jesus wanting to convince us of the goodness of God, that we need not worry about these things. But then 
we think, okay, what is our responsibility? We know from other passages of scripture, we're called to work, called to work for our food, called to be responsible with our money. But at times we'll experience our bodies failing. In James 5, 14, God's the Christian to do this. It says, is anyone sick? Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him. Now, we as the elders of this church would like to ask you to grant us this privilege to pray for you when you're sick. Please do call us. Uh, please do come. We can invite you to our shepherding meeting that we have once a month. and We can, we can pray for you. We can go to your house, Lord permitting. We can pray over you. We have corporate prayer. We have a number of prayer opportunities where you can bring those requests so that we can pray for you. And, and sometimes we will, we will be amazed to watch God actually heal people physically he, now, giving people health. We'll see this promise of the future restoration of our body as if it's breaking back into our present. God heals is awesome to witness. Perhaps some of you has, have witnessed the power of the Almighty God bringing healing in your life. Now, sometimes he'll use the scientific discoveries, right, of medicine to heal you. And that itself is an awesome thing. That is from his gracious hand, actually. Sometimes he'll work over and beyond these things. And all of it is the display of his glory, display of his goodness. Now, will this happen if we pray enough and if we have enough faith children this is a, a very important question those who get sick and die is it because they lack faith there's some teaching this we must understand that god will not always heal he will not always answer every request every prayer that we make with yes. I notice children often getting confused by this. Uh, children, have you ever prayed a prayer and God not answered that prayer in a way that you would like? I've seen children say, does God even exist? I've seen adults say, does God even exist? Does he care about me? But we must understand something that God is the all wise God. And he has our eternal good in mind. He has always, he always has our eternal good in mind. Unfortunately, we've seen and heard of the health and wealth gospel, this prosperity gospel that has many damaging effects because it gives people this idea that if you have enough faith, that God will and should, he's obligated to answer that request. That is to put ourselves above God. At the same time, we want to we not be sidetracked by that misunderstanding. Because there's absolutely nothing wrong to pray for physical health, to desire the prosperity of others, and even pray for that prosperity. We even see in this passage, it's speaking more broadly uh, of the general good for the person, not just physical health, but that they might experience God's good care. Throughout church history, 
Some have saw the body as un, unspiritual, right? The Greeks in particular that had, had this way of thinking and this began to seep in its way in, into the church. The body is bad. It's bad. We just got to get rid of the body and everything is everything would be fine. But this can actually lend itself toward legalism, as Paul warned in Colossians 2.23. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Indeed, these have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack value in restraining sensual indulgence. But also the church has gone to the other side, right, of the extreme and said the body is the body is everything, which lends itself to licentiousness. Probably this is closer to where we are in our age, an abuse of grace and overindulgence with the body, or perhaps obsession with physical health. But particularly this idea that is just pervaded the whole world, that every Christian should be infinitely healthy and wealthy. This is a new idea, folks. This has just arose in the, in the last 100 years or so. Has caused a lot of damage. But as we look at this passage, um, we just need to be aware of the different misunderstandings of it. Verse 2 in particular, right? Uh, one health and wealth preacher by the name of Oral Roberts began to uh, talk of how this passage opened his eyes to, to a master key to unlock this, this new paradigm where the Christian can expect total and full healing now if one will simply have faith. As if this were some kind of divine promise for health and prosperity to every believer. Or Roberts said this, I haven't been preaching that God is good. I had thought you had to be poor to be a Christian. And he and his wife began to wonder, did it mean they could have a new car, a new house, a brand new ministry? So he would go on to receive a nice, new, shiny Buick. And it, this, this new car became the symbol of what, what man could do if he would believe God. Unfortunately, the fruit has exposed this family of a love for money as they've been exposed for a number of financial scandals. And unfortunately, they still have a Facebook following of around... 30,000 people. But perhaps you were able to see the faulty assumptions of Oral Roberts, assuming that, that you had to be poor to be a Christian. Well, we know this is not true from the Bible. We know that in the Old, Old Testament, in the New Testament, there were rich believers who were faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, even in their wealth. There was nothing wrong with that. God had provided this. But because God gives riches to some does not mean that everyone deserves prosperity and health in, in the way that we think it should come to us. Does it mean, does this verse mean that we should all start thinking about getting a new car and a new house 
that that should become our focus. Absolutely not. This fails to understand what Dr. Leong mentioned last week is the already but not yet aspect of the kingdom. That God ultimately came to deal with sin and to restore us to himself. And all the effects of sin will not be taken away until Christ returns. Very important that we notice this key biblical teaching. While physical health is important, it's a part of this total package of shalom where we have this harmony with all creation, with society, with family, with personal body and soul, all together unified in health. We are not yet home. We have not yet got to our final resting place. This body will die. Now, it's interesting, this particular word for physical health isn't used again in the whole of the New Testament. And actually, you know, there's one other usage for the word health that comes up in Acts. And um, Paul briefly mentions the, the positive value of physical health. Um, there's healing that happens as Jesus' ministry is authenticating his identity, the apostles as well. What is clear is that the focus of the New Testament is not on immediate healing here and now. Yes, we, we pray for it, but we don't put all our hope in this body. This body that the Bible says is fading away. It's decaying. It's actually a sign to us that we're not home. One day, though, we will experience the presence of God and, and full life will invade our, our bodies. We'll be given new bodies. What I find most striking about this verse is that um, is not that he prays for the health of Gaius. This is just a very natural uh, thing for a Christian to do who is compassionate. Seeing the compassion of Jesus, we are compassionate people. It's that he, he doesn't pray for Gaius' spiritual condition. Um, now, most of the Bible is focused on praying for people's spiritual condition, but it's interesting that Gaius is so spiritually healthy. <laughs> now, this doesn't mean that he doesn't actually pray for his, his spiritual condition. Um, actually, he's going to go on to exhort his own spiritual health. He's going to continue to encourage him. Doesn't mean he's arrived. Absolutely not. But what we need to see is that his prayer is that physical health would match his spiritual health. Wow. <laughs> How many of us could say the same thing about our own spiritual health? One commentator puts it well. He says, John here made an analogy between the condition of our health and the condition of our soul. Many Christians would be desperately ill if their physical health was instantly in the same state as their spiritual health. But Gaius is a great example to us. We should remember that they are both valuable to God. One should not be abandoned for the other. Our physical health matters to God. Our spiritual health matters to God. And actually, it's implied here that, that a, a healthy soul will be a great blessing to the body. This is taught elsewhere in, in Scripture as well. Uh, Dr. Long Reminded me of Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, this is written before the scientific idea of 
psychosomatic diseases and um but it's but it's very clear that the soul or also known as the spirit clearly impacts the body right perhaps you've experienced rage being angry maybe on the road um, maybe you experienced it uh, in a relationship and your blood pressure just <laughs> um yeah, your respiratory rate just, just increased tremendously, right? We know, just reading online, emotional stress is assumed to aggravate existing illness. There's some evidence that it may precipitate illnesses, even those usually not considered to be psychosomatic. You have like cancer or diabetes and individuals predisposed to them. Matthew Henry, writing over 300 years ago, summarizes uh, or really gives this similar idea. I'll summarize his reflection on the passage. He's, he says, grace, he's talking about our spiritual health that is from God. Spiritual health and physical health belong together. They're said to be companions. Spiritual health will improve physical health. Physical health will employ spiritual health. Now, then he goes on to note that often our bodies are, are lacking. They're actually failing. When Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. For this, Matthew Henry says, this is an opportunity for those who have spiritual health, that they will actually be strengthened to submit to God, even in trials like this with a failing body. Then he continues on saying, but we may well wish and pray that those who have prosperous souls may have healthy bodies too. Their spiritual health will shine in a larger sphere of activity. His point is this. We pray for the physical health of our brothers and sisters for their good and for the glory of God, that they might freely serve God without bodily hindrances. Now, we pray this knowing that it is in the hands of the Almighty God. We know that some prayers are not answered in the affirmative. Even the Apostle Paul, who prayed to be delivered from certain trials, he would not be delivered from those particular trials. He was hoping to make it to Spain. He did not make it. He was praying. Those prayers were answered with a no. Even the godliest saints receive a no. But is it a no? It is a no for our good and ultimately for the glory of God. Nonetheless, we pray. We pray in faith and we believe from our limited perspective. We look at the world and we say, Lord, it seems to me that this would bring you most glory. This would advance your goodness in the world. And so we pray and trust him with the results. So now here we are in this festive season. How might God's word lead you as you celebrate? How might you return this season of well-wishing into prayer? How might it turn you to the living God this morning? How might you turn Godward and turn others Godward to their creator? 2020 was quite a hard year. Many of our desires, many of our plans, many of our prayers were not answered in the way that we wanted to. We've seen the decline of health in everywhere, right? Our country, our families, personal lives, our plans that have been challenging. But yet we learn 
Just submit to God. Depend upon his goodness, even as we look ahead to what seems to be another pandemic year. Let us call it a prayer year. Yes, yes, it will be a pandemic year, perhaps. But it can be a year where we commune with God in prayer. We depend on him for our needs and we believe in his goodness. We continue to bring our desires, our plans before him. And we trust him. We submit to him with the results. Do you believe God cares for you, your body, your physical needs, your finances? Some of us would be less anxious, actually, less fearful. If we really believed, we really knew that our God is looking out for us, our eternal good. Some of us can be tempted to minimize our own physical problems. Um, just even a few weeks ago, uh, my hand was, was bothering me, and um, I was reminded that I needed to go to my brothers and sisters and, and ask, for, ask for prayer. It can be so natural to withhold that and just say, I'm going to tough it out. Um, I'm going to do this on my own. I, I really don't want anybody else to know um, this about me. I was so blessed and Elder Sandy last week prayed for my hand and then a number of you followed up and, and, and checked on me. What an encouragement, what a blessing you are to me. And thankfully God is, God is graciously uh, healing my hand and praise God for that. But the striking tone of this letter is actually godliness. It's not physical health. While physical health is important, the focus is on spiritual health and what it looks like for the Christian to live in a spiritually healthy manner. This is the kind of health that is often the most neglected in our world, and John is going to set a corrective for us. We are called to be walking in spiritual health. Now, two aspects of this spiritual health that really takes up the focus of the rest of the book. It's health that's compromising of walking in truth and walking in love. First, truth. Notice what John is focuses on, verse 3 and 4. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This is the height of joy for John that his brother is being faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. He hears this testimony and he's overcome with delight. Can you believe this? No greater joy. That's quite a, quite a bold statement, right? But we understand this as parents. Certainly we want more for our children than they be wealthy and have healthy bodies that live to 100 years old, that they have an outstanding education, maybe even going to get their PhD. And um, we know plenty of these people in, in, this, in this country, right? They're business owners, and they're the most miserable people we know. They're CEOs. They're, they have a lot of money. They have everything that prosperity in this world could offer. They maybe even have functioning families. They're, they may look like they're doing pretty well on the outside. 
But we know, the believers know, that this is not the ultimate goodness that we ourselves need. Perhaps you heard on the news that Larry King uh, passed away uh, the other week. And, um, you know, a man who had a, a tremendous influence in, in, in a country, he had uh, certainly was able to meet almost every famous person uh, over the, the last few decades. And, and yet, you know, we, when we hear about his life, it's so sad. He had eight marriages, eight marriages. He was spiritually broken, broken. So when we look at our children, we think about what we want for them. When we, when we think about prosperity for our children, we must be deeply concerned for their spiritual health. Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do they see their sin and their need for trusting in him as their savior, that the cross is their only hope? Do they see that they need Jesus as Lord to rule their life? Gospel of John, talking about this, uh, excuse me, not, uh, the, the second letter, which John wrote, speaks of this gospel. And he calls it this, he says, the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever this is this gospel that has transformed us, this truth that has actually come in to us, invaded our lives. Then he summarizes the truth with these words, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. It's exactly what we heard from Dr. Leong's message, that the gospel is this full-orbed healing, first and foremost, about us being restored to have peace with a holy God. He deals with our sin. This is the heart of these words, grace, mercy, and peace. As people learn to live following the truths in God's word, and this will be a great spiritual help to them. We will be like Gaius. The result is that we will give our earthly and spiritual parents the greatest joy. It's not this filial piety. This is walking in truth. It would be such a great honor to our parents, to our elders. A number of you have came from non-Christian families, and, and it's been encouraging for me to hear of how your non-parents or your non-Christian parents um, dealt with you coming to Christ. And, and what I keep hearing again and again and again is they begin to see incredible health in you. <laughs> incredible spiritual health through following Jesus. And you know what? Some of them even turned to Christ. Some at least began to respect your decision for, for following Christ. Of course, this doesn't always happen. But the point remains the same. We need God's truth for it explains the nature of the world and where we fit in the world. And when we live according to this truth, we'll be able to experience joy that comes from having spiritual help. Actually, and it'll be an incredible blessing, not only to us, but to our entire community. When was the last time someone received joy from your walking in truth? 
When was the last time? Beloved, if you're walking in the truth, I can guarantee you that the people of this church, others around you, other believers will be richly blessed. The parable of CG even bore witness to this reality. Uh, how wonderful to see the younger generation, the older generation together and to hear our sister Josephine speak of how encouraging it is to see this younger generation walking in the truth. Brought her such joy along with the rest of those in her, that CG. Even this week, I was speaking with Andrew Goh, and uh, I, was, I was struck by uh, our brother has as had some challenging times, and yet he's, he's stuck faithful to the biblical principles. As a result of, of sticking to the truth, he actually, he actually experienced greater hardship for this. But it was a great testimony. It brought me great joy that he's reflecting the God of truth. It's really, really, really overcome with joy. We live in a world that's, that promotes lies, that promotes all sorts of backhanded ways. It promotes deceit. We know that. We see it all over. And we, as brothers and sisters, we stand together for the truth. And as a result, we're going to see joy spread among his people. It may not be recognized in this world, but joy from his people will spread. What are tangible expressions that you are walking in truth? Also, we see we're called to walk in love. Gaius is doing this. Verse 5, again, he begins with this affectionate language. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. He's celebrating Gaius' love. Now, this is not just love spoken, but this is love demonstrated. Gaius was known for his hospitality to those who were servants of the gospel, even those who didn't know. We tend to be very committed to those we know and we're, we're very acquainted with, but we see Gaius extends his love and his hospitality to the people of God, even, even those who are new to him. Hospitality comes with a cost. This is incredible demonstration of sacrifice. Hospitality lightens the wallet. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> reduces those numbers in, in the e-wallet, in the bank account. It means less food for your immediate family, perhaps. It, 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 it may mean a number of challenges uh, navigating management of, of your space, but this was necessary in John's time. Lodging would have been very, very expensive. And so John committed, Gaius committed to the gospel. He's willing to sacrifice. He's willing to put himself and his own desires, his own needs for the needs of others. John goes on further. Verse six to eight. He wants to exhort Gaius. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. 
for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. He's saying, you're doing a great job, Gaius, but you continue on. You don't, don't stop. Keep up this good work, this great labor of love. This passage is calling all believers to support the work of those preachers, those missionaries, those full-time workers. They don't receive funds from non-believers. The responsibility is with the church. It's good for us to remember this, that, that everyone gives to charity, but we must not neglect the financial assistance needed for the advancement of the gospel. It is only through you, brothers and sisters, that this money is, is given. Do not neglect this priority. We must continue on. And, and John gives some motivating factors here for us in our, in our giving, right? In our love toward one another, in our hospitality. And at the centerpiece is the worth of God. Give in such a way that honors God. That's the goal. It's not the goal isn't to just keep your minister poor, um, keep him begging. No, provide, provide for these needs. Not for him, not because you think he's great, but because God is great. Give for the advancement of the gospel. It is God's worth that motivates us. It should move us. But also we see that, that full-time gospel servants, they labor for the sake of the name. It's all about Jesus. It's primarily about the one name, the only name under heaven in which men and women can be saved. Just the Lord Jesus Christ who sacrificed himself for us. And in turn, we as a church, we have the joy of sacrificing for one another, sacrificing to see the gospel spread throughout this country and around the world. Give toward that need. But it is a need that's for the sake of Jesus, that's for the honor of his name. In supporting, we spread the fame of our great Savior. What a glorious name. But also in giving, we become fellow workers with them. Now, some believe uh, mistakenly that, a, that to be an elder or a pastor or a missionary is like the height of, of being a Christian, right? If you can only reach this high pinnacle. Um, but this is, this is actually not true. We all have different callings. But we can all co-labor together. Giving financially is doing just that. When you make your bank transfer, do you think about that? Are you conscious of that? That you're co-laboring. Some of us will be called to be senders, and that is a glorious calling. The pastor and missionary actually can't survive unless the church is passionate about sending for the sake of the gospel. We participate in this work together. Do you see it? Are you excited about this, this work? Now, a number of us are, there's a handful of us in this church who are supported by the church, whether in the U.S. or, or here. Um, this is amazing. This is amazing. I love to tell those who are supporting my ministry that you are contributing in a real sense 
You're actually working with me, directly being used by God for his glory. His kingdom is being established here in Malaysia. We've seen many other godly examples of the Korean church, church in China. Despite the challenges that they've faced, they've caught a vision for co-laboring. It's it's reported, shockingly, that they're sending out many missionaries. It's amazing how the gospel is spreading. May Malaysia share in this joy of co-laboring. Our bank account actually reflects tangibly our love. I really think... um, If you didn't do this after our Malachi sermon on giving, I would encourage you to do this. Sit down with your spouse. Take a look at your bank account and say, what do I love? What does does our bank account show about us? Does it show that we love the Lord Jesus and we love seeing many more people made disciples? Shows who we're serving. Are we serving our own name or are we serving the name? the name that is above every name. Now we come full circle. God cares about us, body and soul. Therefore, full-time gospel workers should not just receive prayers for physical health, but they should receive support for their physical well-being. This is spiritual. This is, this is good. This is honoring to God. This shows our love we open up our home after the pandemic, we show love, the very love of God. Now, as this letter continues on, we see an example of a man who is putting himself first, the opposite of what John is calling the church towards. He's refusing to show hospitality to the brothers who are coming there to the church where Gaius is serving in, and John reminds them, verse 11, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Then he comes to a positive example, and then the letter closes with this desire for health in the relationship. He loves writing letters to them, but he longs to see them face to face, just like I long to see you face to face, not just on a screen, but to to give you a hug, to shake your hand. But at the end, he says, peace to you. Just promise from the Lord Jesus Christ that actually he gives us his peace, comes to us. And we then begin to bear that peace and enjoy peace with the very living God. He closes with this very personal greeting, asking that they they be greeted by name. Again, he wants these tangible acts, these tangible words of love. This is our calling, that we walk in love. Now, brings up the question, what does hospitality look like in a pandemic year? Well, it may mean that we use grab to, uh, to demonstrate love and care for those in our congregation, those in our church. That would be a great app for you to have to remind people that you love them. 
I was very encouraged the other week with the Women to Women CG who, who took the time during Christmas to deliver packages of love. See these pictures, a great testimony. This love, Jacob and Silas and Hannah also joined Lillian and, and we heard from Hannah, just the great blessing of what it was to her, what it meant for her life, not to mention what it meant to those people who were receiving. Suki says this, she shared this with me. Yogaswari was very grateful for the ongoing support our church has been giving the family through Alice and others. I think the small Christmas gifts were just another way of us showing God's love to them. We managed to pray with them and encourage her to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. This is love, my friends. This is love. So we, we look for those windows. We look for those opportunities. Maybe it's just with one or two people, but we find a way. Maybe it's those in our neighborhood. We find a way to give and to demonstrate God's love. But also we remember that we walk in love in our regular giving. We want to be conscious of this. That in supporting the needs of the pastors and making these ordinary bank transfers that we do all the time now, this is a spiritual work. Do it prayerfully. Do it joyfully. Do it with thanksgiving that you're able to participate in the work of the gospel in this country. These funds that, that you give, they not only go to support, uh, they, they go to actually support the pastors beyond Puchong. Pastor Ming, Pastor Chi Wei, Pastor Phi, Pastor Chao Wen, assisting uh, our brother Tony in, in seminary. He's going to be coming back, and how exciting it is that, that Lord willing, he'll be able to plant a, another gospel-centered church. We begin to plan ahead. We're thinking as, as the elders, we're, we're just, we want to continue to be about the work of church planning. Just as Pastor Wen's given us this burden, this vision, we want to continue it on. We don't want to stop. So we want to care for those who are studying and preparing for this gospel ministry. We hope to see future internships in our church. We hope to see future church plants. Uh, you know, Yin Fong at the end of the end of the year during family time mentioned this burden for a gospel-centered church in Klang. Could we not begin now praying, asking God for his provision that he would open the way? Other parts of this country, their great need. We need a vision. We need a burden for this. Even as we think about a new building, we, we don't want to lose sight of the gospel priority. Actually, we're, as we're thinking about this building, we're thinking about how can we advance the gospel through having proper facilities, facilities that we need. Could we have a Chinese-speaking congregation? Could we have a suitable facility for this? Now, we also have Joseph. Can go back to the previous slide, Pete? Thanks. We also have Joseph. You're supporting Joseph by your giving. Now, I am a very blessed man because Joseph is attending my sending, my sending church. And, and so I regularly hear back from them, from these elders, from, from other friends in the congregation. And they say, you know, Joseph has ministered to our church. He's deeply ministered to our church. I couldn't have imagined the, the struggles and the crisis uh, things that have happened at my church back home. And Joseph has been there with him and he's walked with them through these struggles and he's ministered to them. 
And we thought we were sending him for focused on preparation, but I believe the Lord has done far exceedingly more through your giving to strengthen the church, to actually advance the gospel in the U.S. as it experiences incredible trial and difficulty. Brothers and sisters, what practical ways are you walking in love? Let's think about it. Let's imagine as a church, let's think about it individually. What would it look like for us? First off, we should ask, are, are you known for being hospitable? This should just be a normal part of our lives that we're looking for the needs of others. I was reading one of the early church fathers that says, we don't wait for needs to come to us. We actually look for needs. That's what the Christian is called to do, not to be passive. Are you, how are you doing? Supporting the advance of the gospel. All of these things will advance, not just the health of CDPC, that's really not what we're about, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we're concerned about. As you give, it will be of great benefit to your own spiritual health, truth, and love. This is the mark of the Christian. We need them both. They're not opposed to one another. No. If you don't have the truth, you don't have love. If you don't have love, you don't have the truth. Call to walk in these. It'll be a great benefit to you. It'll be a great benefit to the community. So let me ask, how is your health? How are you doing, body and soul? Is there proper alignment? Are you giving proper concern for each? There should be a harmony. There shouldn't be neglect to either of these. The material needs of the body of Christ shouldn't neglect that. This Chinese New Year, how can, can we get carried away and, and caught up with the needs of others? Another pandemic year, how can uh, we be praying for those who are really struggling with health concerns, physical health concerns? Some, some might be doing quite bad. Some might be struggling. Some have chronic illness in our church. We want to continue to cry out to God for mercy for you. Pray for you. And it just causes us, even as we pray and long for God to restore bodies, it causes us again to move back to Dr. Leong's message last week. We long for this restoration of our bodies. So we know all our bodies are moving toward decay. We know this from Scripture. But we have hope. We have hope. Our focus isn't in our own physical health in the here and now. Let this Lunar New Year be a, a restart for us to clean up our, our spiritual lives, right? Some of you are cleaning up. You've been cleaning up your homes. Let us clean up our spiritual lives. Let us not neglect to pray, to pray, to pray about all of our needs, to pray for our community, but especially not to neglect our soul care. Let's be committed to walking in truth, walking in love, like the Lord Jesus, right? Who is full of grace and truth. For it is in knowing him and walking like him that we will experience the greatest of blessings. Let us pray. Our Father, how we thank you that in you we have all that we need for life and godliness. Father, we are indeed grateful to you that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, that we might be restored to you. Father, we pray for those who do not know you, 
who are listening to this sermon, we pray that they would see their need for the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would see that you are a good creator, that they would submit their life to you. I would pray for us as believers that, oh, that we may walk in the truth, no matter what it costs, that we may walk in love, no matter what the cost, that we would constantly have our Lord Jesus Christ in front of us, who sacrificed for us, who gave for us. As we learn in Romans that you are a God who welcomes us, so too may we welcome our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Lord, give us creativity this year to think about how to build one another up, how to do good, how to care for one another, um, in each other's physical health and also spiritual health. Lord, help us to look out for one another. Help us not to forget one another. Lord, spur us on. Lord, we, we need you to strengthen us, to not grow weary in doing good, but to continue these simple acts, these simple labors of love in our home, in our neighborhood, in our workplaces, in our church. Pray all this for the glory of the great name of Jesus.